Hello, everyone, and welcome to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we bring the power of prevention to you. I'm Mike Wobshaw, Director of Marketing at Fit for Work, and pleased to be joined today by one of my colleagues here at Fit for Work. It's Wendy Shillette, who is the Director of Employment Testing at Fit for Work, and she is the, she's not a subject matter expert, she is the subject matter expert when it comes to employment testing, when it comes to consultative services, or even more direct uh, advice and servicing for folks who need to implement some type of testing, uh, whether it be pre-offer, post-offer, post-employment. We're going to get into all of that here with Wendy. So Wendy, appreciate your time joining me to talk about this and to hopefully educate and enlighten some folks who are listening. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike, for having me. You bet. Um, I think a good place to begin uh, will be for you to talk a little bit about your time at Fit for Work, your responsibility here. We, we know you're the director of employment testing, but maybe explain to the folks what does that entail? And one way I like to sort of frame it um, is, you know, where, where and how do you add value to Fit for Work's clients on, on a daily basis? And talk a little bit about your your tenure at Fit for Work. You, uh, as someone who's still uh, fairly new to the company, Wendy, I I can tell you you're someone who is has a great reputation, uh, not just with our colleagues at Fit for Work, but with our clients as well. So, would be very curious to hear about your tenure at Fit for Work and some of the things you do um, on a day to day or week to week basis. Absolutely. Okay. Great. So it's good to be here today. And uh, my role is Director of Employment Testing with Fit for Work. I am an occupational therapist by trade. And my tenure, uh, yeah, my tenure with Fit for Work uh, started back in 2005 uh, when Fit for Work was was just a very small organization. Mm -hmm. And we were providing testing services to local clients in the Austin and Austin and San Antonio, Texas areas. So Obviously, we've we've grown uh, exponentially over the years, so uh, my role has expanded as well during that time, and um, we now have teams of uh, Fit for Work employees who are providing testing services on-site uh, to employers um, in Texas and uh, other states as well. Um, our, our primary service uh, employers at this point are uh, Grocery distribution, as mm-hmm. well as uh, as well as manufacturing. Okay. All right. So, with with those specific industries, or maybe some others that you can think of, talk to us a little bit about types of employment tests. I, I think you could begin with why is it important? Why why do they test? And then a little bit about, I guess, the three different categories. I know, you know, you sent, you sent a newsletter out, um, Mm -hmm. you know, last week that sort of detailed this and I found it really interesting. And Mm -hmm. basically it's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has three distinct stages of employment testing, pre-offer, post-offer, and post-employment testing. So could you walk us through those three? And I think they're are some who are listening who this is their rote with all this, they know it, but mm-hmm. there might be others who uh, would appreciate hearing from you some of the differences and, and maybe 
some of the subtle things you should know about it to determine which one you're going to do. Absolutely. So there are, the EEOC defines three very distinct stages of employment testing. Uh, There's a pre-offer stage, a post-offer stage, and post-employment testing. So at the pre-offer stage, uh, this is where a job application has been completed by a new hire candidate, but a contingent offer of employment has not been extended yet by the employer. Um, And at the pre-offer stage, typically uh, there is not a known job position, and the employer simply wants to know at what PDC level can this employee safely work in. So Uh, The test is a very functional test really to determine um, if the employee is able to work in a sedentary, light, medium, heavy, or very heavy category of work. Mm -hmm. So we contrast that with the post-offer stage of testing. And at this stage, a job application has been completed by the new hire candidate and a contingent offer of employment has been extended by the employer. In these situations, there is a known job position. The candidate has applied for a very specific job position, and their test is designed to uh, determine if that employer, if that new hire candidate is physically able to meet those, um, uh, those physical and functional demands of the job. Once a new hire begins working, any testing completed at this stage is always considered post-employment testing. Okay. So let's go back to pre-offer. Okay. You, you mentioned the test is designed to determine if a candidate can do certain levels of, um, of work. Mm-hmm. Is, is, it, is it right to say it's typically or almost always physical exertion? Is that what it really is about? Yes, primarily. So okay. we're wanting to determine how much the candidate can safely lift, how much yep. they can push, pull, carry. Yeah. Uh, it's a very okay. simple test at that stage. Okay. And so they have varying levels where it's like, I, I don't know the terms that are used if it's you know low, medium, high, but how are those standardized? Who, who's, who makes the determination of what is a low amount or what is a high amount or, you know, an intense amount or a non-intense amount? That's a really good question, Mike. Um, Probably the best answer for you is that um, the Department of Labor has very standardized categories of work uh, known as sedentary, light, medium, heavy, and very heavy. And so uh, candidates' uh, physical functional abilities are determined by how much they can safely lift, push, pull, or carry, and where that falls in that Department of Labor classification of sedentary, light, medium, heavy, heavy, and very heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so there isn't much. I, I would imagine over the course of time, the Department of Labor may adjust these, but this is not a gray area. I'm. I'm sort of getting from you, like it's it's pretty clear what the different categories are. Yes, it is very clear. This is, um, in all the years that I've been working in industrial health, um, you know, those categories have not changed. Those classifications have remained pretty, pretty well standardized. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So 
as you were talking about that, that was the question that came to mind when you were going through the three stages. The se- there was a second one though that I had post offer. I'm I was good with post employment. What I thought of there was so p- post employment testing. I would think is about a you know I don't know if they is it annually is it semi annually what what do a lot of companies do and is it is it to qual- to keep people qualified? Is it to maybe f- factored into if they're going to be promoted or moved to a different type of work within their company? Are those the reasons for post-employment tests? Uh, yes. In short, yes, all of the above. Um, mm-hmm. There are uh, three very distinct categories of post-employment testing. Uh, one is physical agility testing. There is also a category of fit-for-duty testing, and then the final uh, post-employment testing that we sometimes see is functional capacity evaluations. Okay. Okay, so physical agility testing would be, is this one where a, you know, a company is going to do this on their own, or oftentimes are you or someone on your team, Wendy, going in there and assisting with this type of test? So yes, an employer can use physical agility testing really in one of three ways. Um, The most common way that we see employers use physical agility testing is when they have an employee who's needing to transfer to a heavier Um, more physically demanding job, and the employer wants to make sure that that employee is capable of performing those physical demands. So that is really probably the most common use for physical agility testing. Um, We also sometimes see it used to, uh, by employers for periodic monitoring of all employees in a particular job class to ensure those employees remain capable of performing the physical demands of the job. Mm -hmm. So that's another application that employers could consider. And then finally, uh, we see employers use post-employment physical agility testing uh, to test an existing employee who has been out of work for a period of time, and there's really no reason to legally collect any medical measures upon their return to work. Uh, An example of that might be an employee who's been uh, out on FMLA to care for an ill family member, Mm -hmm. and they're simply returning to work, and again, there's no no reason to collect medical measures at that point, but the employer does want to ensure that that employee is is safe to return to work from a physical and functional capacity. Okay. So in a situation like that, Wendy, if if you... the company that we're talking about is a client of fit for works and they are doing this. Are you or someone on your team there helping with this or is the work that you and your team does, is it more consultative? So yes, our teams uh, provide um, testing services on site uh, within employer locations um, and in many cases, primarily what we're providing is, is post-offer employment testing. But we also see employers, more and more employers, gravitating towards post-employment testing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, these tests are administered by our teams. 
uh, on site within uh, client locations. It could be uh, that our teams are in, that we've been given a, a designated area within their warehouse facility uh, to provide, provide the service. So um, yes, we're actually administering testing services on site uh, with, uh, with these employees. Okay, interesting. Um, how about fit for duty testing? Tell us about that. Oh, fit for duty testing. <laughs> so yeah, fit for duty testing is pretty fun. Uh, but also complex. Um, the EEOC enforcement guidance came out uh, with uh, specific triggers here in the last, oh, I want to say 12 to 15 years. Uh, and uh, triggers are uh, specific scenarios for which an employer may request a fit for duty test. So these are very well defined by the EEOC enforcement guidance. Um, the first trigger and probably the most common trigger that we see employers using fit for duty testing is when they have an employee who's been out of work for uh, an injury or illness and that employee has been released by their treating doctor to return to work and that employer and that the employer wants to know you know is this employee physically ready to return to work do they have the physical ability to meet uh, the functional requirements of the job uh, to return to work. And employers can use this with employees who've been out due to work-related or even non-work-related uh, injuries or conditions. A second trigger is uh, when an employer has what we call reliable objective evidence of an employee who may be having difficulty performing some of the essential functions of the job. Uh, perhaps it's an older worker, an aging worker who is uh, having more difficulty, difficulty uh, keeping up with the production pace. They're having uh, demonstrating fine motor skills. They're having uh, problems bending over to pick up product uh, uh, or having discomfort picking up product. Uh, but the, the employer has a re what we call reliable objective evidence of, of this employee having difficulty performing those essential job functions and they essentially want to know, you know, can this employee continue to safely work in this particular job capacity? A third trigger might be when an employee requests a reasonable accommodation. Sometimes we see that in a post-employment scenario. A uh, fourth trigger is, uh, could be when an employer requires periodic testing of employees in positions of public safety, such as police, fire, or EMS, right? Mm -hmm. We yeah. all want to ensure that, you know, first responders are, uh, uh, remain physically fit and able to perform those essential functions of their job, uh, particularly, you know, with obviously police, fire, and EMS. And so uh, in these scenarios, again, the employer is wanting to ensure that, you know, those employees are uh, able to perform those job duties, you know, in, uh, in a continual capacity from one year to the next. And typically these are, these are annual testing requirements in these scenarios. Okay. Okay. A fifth trigger, uh, is when an employer requests medical examinations required by federal law or regulation, such as department of transportation or what we call DOT exams. Mm-hmm. And then the last trigger is when an employee voluntarily participates in an employer-sponsored wellness program. So we're seeing, seeing more and more employers who are, um, you know, in, in the spirit of health and wellness, who are uh, 
um, establishing uh, wellness programs on site within their facilities. And um, so the EEOC does allow post-employment testing in these scenarios, but it must be voluntary for the employee to participate in this employer-sponsored wellness program. Got it. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Interesting. Um, and I think I want to get into this um, in a little bit after we talk about functional capacity evaluations. So I'm going to save that comment and question about the uh, an employee-sponsored wellness program because you said something that caught my attention, which you said we're seeing more and more of it. And that's been kind of a common theme in the last few episodes of the podcast. So we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But let's wrap up this part of it, this this first uh, segment of the podcast uh, with functional capacity evaluations, FCE, a little bit about that and um, and and how companies are, are executing that type of test. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, so... So a functional capacity evaluation is a little bit different in that this is a medically driven process. It's really a comprehensive assessment of an employee's physical and functional abilities as related to work. So we often see um, FCEs being requested by a physician or an insurance carrier Mm -hmm. uh, and billed through a state's workers' compensation system in response to a workers' compensation claim. So an employee has an injury, a work-related injury, they're receiving some sort of medical care, Uh, perhaps the treating doctor is trying to make a determination if that employee is ready to return to work, and they may order a functional capacity evaluation uh, to help make that uh, return-to-work decision. So uh, functional capacity evaluations are uh, comprised of a very thorough intake process, a medical history interview with that employee, uh, a full body musculoskeletal exam. They look at dynamic lifting, how much that that employee is able to safely lift in various postures, as well as job specific or what we call positional tolerance testing, how well that that employee is able to uh, tolerate squatting, bending, reaching at all levels, standing, walking, Mm -hmm. climbing, looking at all those different sorts of what we call postural or positional tolerances. Um, Testing can even be expanded to uh, assess that employee's functional abilities to return to a very specific job. So if there there are specific essential functions that need to be evaluated, these can be included uh, as part of the FCE process. All right. Interesting. That's a good, um, it's, you, you mentioned it, Wendy, you said it's complex, so it's a lot to get through, but that's a, a really good breakdown of it. And, um, I think helpful for a lot of folks listening as they're thinking about their company and how they can affect policy and, and most importantly, how they can affect, uh, employee health. So, uh, appreciate that breakdown. A couple of more topics to get to with Wendy. We're going to go to a break first so you can hear more about Fit for Work and the services offered uh, by our company. And then when we come back, we'll wrap up the conversation with Wendy. Hey, everyone. John Grove, CEO of Fit for Work. We'll get right back to the podcast in a minute. But if you are tired of chasing injuries and working hard to get those numbers down, Fit for Work can definitely help. Our clients see a 50% reduction in the number of injuries and associated costs and enjoy the efficiency and ease of interacting with a turnkey program. 
Now, there are four ways that we partner with employers, on-site early intervention, industrial ergonomics, safety compliance, and employee testing. And while many people know us as working with large companies, we do have ergonomic and safety solutions for small and medium-sized clients as well. Imagine how your day-to-day would improve if you were able to bring a 50% reduction in injuries to the table. To connect with us, it's super simple. Go to wellworkforce.com, click on Connect With Us button, and put our team to work for you. Hey, everyone. It's the Workplace Injury Prevention Podcast. It's Mike Wobshaw, Director of Marketing. Our guest today is Wendy Shillette, the Director of Employment Testing here at Fit for Work. Really good discussion uh, in the first segment of the podcast. want to sort of wrap things up here with uh, two points that I kind of want to talk through with you, Wendy. Um, One is, and you mentioned it uh, sort of toward the end of the first segment, and you kind of said it in passing as you were explaining a broader concept, but you said you're seeing more and more employee-sponsored wellness programs uh, with clients and with companies. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me because I've definitely noticed the same, and I know guests of the podcast have noticed the same. And I'm curious your perspective on that, why you think that is. Um, if you think it's, is it because the workforce is more aware and more conscious of their health? Um, do you think it's employers um, who are also more aware of it? And I know no one likes talking about this or bringing it up, but I'd be curious to know if you think any COVID, any post-COVID effect uh, has to do with it. Did mm. Was there an awakening um, because of what we went through for two years with COVID, an awakening of awareness of our health and and putting a value on it. So kind of a broad open-ended question, but I thought of it when you were, when you mentioned that you're seeing more and more employee sponsored wellness programs and more and more employees being interested in participating in that. Yes, this is really a great topic. I think um, employers are, my personal opinion, I think employers are looking for uh, more and more opportunities to educate Uh, their own employees in the area of health and wellness. Uh, We're seeing probably more so today, just from my perspective, um, a lot more uh, candidates, uh, testing candidates, even coming in with more complex disease processes at very younger younger ages than we ever have before, Uh, more health issues than we ever have before. And I think part of this is you know, we can attribute to a more sedentary workforce, right? Uh, the younger mm-hmm. generation be, being more sedentary than perhaps generations in years past. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of wonder, does that, you know, contribute to some of the health issues that we're seeing uh, in these 20s and 30-somethings that we're seeing uh, come in the door? So, yes, I think employers are looking for I think they're looking for opportunities to educate their employees and to provide provide more value-add service, right? Um, you know, at the end of the day, it only helps the employer in terms of managing not only their own workers' compensation costs and claims, but it also helps from a personal medical side. It helps to, to potentially reduce uh, personal medical claims uh, for their own employees. So, uh, so I think that's part of it. Um, interesting that you bring up COVID. Uh, I, there has been a big push, I think, since COVID to provide more and more education to employees. Um, so I think, yes, a greater awareness, not only from a physical 
physical health perspective, but also from a mental health perspective, we're seeing a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, uh, not, not, I agree. I agree with you on that. Not surprised to hear, to hear you say that. Um, the last thing, and maybe one of the more important, I think, takeaways in all of this is, you know, I, I think depending on your perspective, what your job title is with your company or, uh, um, maybe how far along you are in your career. I think you can look at this topic, Wendy, employee testing. And initially it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the employer's trying to protect themselves to make sure their workforce is productive and everyone's doing the right, you know, in the right position. But really at the end of the day, the testing is, is helping to ensure the employee is safe. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that that's really what it's about. And that's what fit for work wants to do. If, if a byproduct of that is, uh, the work is more efficient and the company makes or saves more money, that's great. Um, but that, that truly is a byproduct of what the ultimate goal of you, of yours and of fit for works is and of, we hope employers, and that is to keep their people safe. Yes, and I will, I'll kind of add to that, you know, we sometimes hear candidates, testing candidates, tell our teams, gosh, I had no idea this test was going to be this thorough. I've never had a physical this thorough. I've never been through anything like this to get a job, right? And, um, you know, we often tell those candidates, this is a protection for you and the employer to ensure that you are, you know, placed in, in an appropriate job to position to make sure that you know, that you are safe as you're performing your job and uh, ultimately to prevent injuries at the end of the day. And uh, t- testing candidates, uh, potential hires tend to appreciate that. When you, when you put it that, that way, they really, they really can see the other side of this. So I think that's an important point as well. It's, it's really a win-win for everybody. Yep. Well said. And, uh, you know, I, I really picked up on that, Wendy, on that, just that whole idea and concept of, when I went to, um, I went to San Antonio, uh, which is where Fit for Work's headquarters are. But we, you know, I, I went with some of our um, therapists and um, you know area managers to some clients. I mean, they walk around there. I mean, you you know, <laughs> it's there is not at all the climate of like, oh, there's there's the Fit for Work people. Like, okay, everyone, you know, shape up. Yeah. All right, start. I mean, we, we come there and it's like, they all went to college together. I mean, the, yes. the rapport there is so, you know what I mean? It's so great. And I think fit for work, our colleagues and you do a great job of developing that relationship with our clients and our clients, employees, and, um, making sure that hey, this is about you guys. This is about making sure people are safe and you're going to, you're going home in as good or better shape, uh, as you came to work. That's right. That's right. It truly is a partnership. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it's very much a partnership with the employer and with Fit for Work, and with the employees. Um, again, for a win-win, you know, we want it to be a win-win for everybody. Yep. All right, Wendy. Well, I really appreciate your help and uh, your knowledge and expertise. Uh, really fun to have you uh, on the podcast, and I'm going to track you down so we can do this again at some point soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mike. It was good to be here. All right. Thank you for listening to the Workplace Injury Prevention podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen 
to your podcast. Also, to learn more about Fit for Work and our services, visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.